All right, welcome to the American Liberties Wednesday Night Call. It is the 8th of January of the new year, 2020. It's going to be a very, very interesting year, to say the least. However, with that being said, there's a lot going on, as you know, with Iran and all. And uh, it's amazing how... Well, let's not get into all that because that's just a bunch of kindergarten-minded kids up there in Washington. Anyhow, I've been off the air myself for about three weeks. I've been down with a cold, and it wasn't how bad it was as much as how long it it lasted. Holy mackerel. But uh, finally getting over it and... uh, He's trying to, He's trying to still hang in there, but it is what it is. But, you know, I had a lot of time to be thinking, you know, and reading and reading uh, Section 83, the code breaker uh, equation. And, you know, and we we talked about it in the past, about, the H&R Block, you know, and I'm just going to say H&R Block, whoever does tax returns. Uh, there's you got the Liberty Tax Return Company now and, and H&R Block and all of them. I think that somebody, <coughs> you know, to have a business, you have insurance. Uh, I forget the, you know, identify insurance or demity insurance and all that. And uh, if they lie or or they cheat, you know, their insurance will cover them in a lawsuit. Well, if you're you're wanting to fill out a tax return, and uh, I, I think you can probably set them up in a way that they would, um, not fulfill their obligation by being a honest tax preparer. Now they would be honest because they don't understand Section 83. I can pretty much guarantee that. And you know, normal individual in one of these offices that doing tax returns are just trained individual, like they train our kids in school. This is what you do. You place that number there. You place that letter there on that line. You calculate all the numbers, and you have the the guy sign his uh, under the penalties of per, perjury, and, and you're done. But they don't understand the tax code. But I think if you presented them with, like, the stuff out of Section 83 and say, look, you know, I, I don't need a tax return as much as I need an affidavit um, that, you know, you can make probably, you know, Dave can comment on this, but you can probably make out an affidavit that according to the Internal Revenue Code of Section 83, um, a tax return on gross income is is not necessary. I haven't made any gross income. I can't think of the word. Not uh, exempt. Well, I'm exempt, okay, uh, from filling out the tax return because I made no gross income. And and um, uh, or the at or the uh, applicant didn't make any gross income or something like that. If they re- <coughs> <coughs> yep. <coughs> Sorry, folks. Uh, I have a hard time talking. Um, not good in my business, but um, but I think if we put our heads together, that we could go after the the Indians, and the chief will have to go someplace else. And with that. And for lack of being able to talk, I'm going to turn this over to Dave Maryland. Dave, take it away, please. I need another minute. Okay. Uh, If 
everybody would like to listen to me cough for a minute, that'd be great. No, the um, uh, if those who haven't gotten the Section 83 Codebreaker video and book, I strongly suggest that you get it. It is uh, when you're talking to these people and you're talking to an IRS agent, you're talking to anybody. It is not your interpretation of the code. You're following what the courts have said. And with that, you can say, I, I, uh, um, I adopted my interpretation from what the courts have said, even what from the <clears throat> the revenue commissioner has said in um, the publication number 17. He said a year after year after year, the cost of service, okay, your cost of service is deducted from gross income. So you have no taxable income, and you know, and and do your do your own research. Don't take it granted from me or Dave or anything like this. Get these definitions of service. I challenge anybody. If you can define service from not being labor, I'd, I'd give you the world if I had it. It's it's all about labor, of course. <coughs> a court case has never been <coughs> overturned. Says our labor is the more the most important asset. I'm living here, but everything comes from labor. The telephone we're talking on, the computer you're looking at. The the chair you're sitting in, the shoes you're wearing, the spoon you use to eat. There's nothing. There's nothing exists on this planet that didn't come from a labor. And when you and when you talk about, well, you know, they have you as a corporate entity. Fine, okay. It's still the the corporate entity. If it performs a service, it's it's being deducted from gross income. When I used to own a, a pool company and we used to do, you know, our taxes at the end of the year, what did I do? I took all the products that I bought, I took all the costs of labor, and wrote it off as cost of doing business. It, it took away from the profit. I didn't make any profit because it was deducted as a cost of doing business. Well, your labor is a cost of doing business. It's a cost of surviving. You can't survive without your labor, without your service, because you're not going to get paid. Unless you're one of these guys to stand by uh, the roadside with a cup in your hand. So... You know, you 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 got to, and I wouldn't, I would never, I wouldn't say never, but I I would hardly ever use the term labor in my discussions with the IRS, because you want to stick in the parameters of or the yeah the the four corners of the code. The code says if in connection with the performance of services. Okay, now think labor when I say services. Property. What is property? Property is your labor. Property is the money that you're exchanging for the property in exchange for equal property. Okay? So, if in connection with the performance of service, property is transferred to any, meaning all, Persons, all persons, whether corporate or natural person or whatever, other than the person for whom such services are performed, the access. What is 
what is for for you guys that really are hard hard nosed on the definition of the Supreme Court's definition of income, profit and gain, right? What's profit and gain? Profit and gain is the excess over the amount. So let's go back to the uh, uh, code. Services are performed. The access of the fair market value of such property. Fair market value. If if I'm a, if I'm an actor that gets a million dollars a movie, that's fair market value. If I'm an actor that wants to just to get paid as an extra and get fifty dollars a day for being on the set, that's fair market value. Fair market value is whatever the the two parties can, uh, agree to pay and get paid property over the amount if any paid for such property shall be included in the gross income of the person who performed such services see the gross income in the access the access will be included in gross income not your paycheck not your services the cost of your services it says that in public in publication 17 and of course this all boils down to is why you should join the criminal complaint even if you're a taxpaying ticket paying type guy because you're doing it under duress you can't get simpler than that. And I think that if 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 we can, you know, and like I said, I'm using maxes now. I'm going to get back. Like I said, I've been totally away from the. I haven't even responded hardly to any emails in the last three weeks. So, maxes is my prime money maker. Maxes is going to be what's going to bring a bunch of us together to do what we need to do to get what we got done because I got a purpose you need a purpose and so you know join me in finding your purpose to match mine and let's and and let's kick this in the butt man let's get this thing done let's have an attitude and let's get our you know and and let's get our minds together and let's work together and where we can afford to get this done. Um, okay, Dave, you ready? Yeah, I guess so. Okay, take it away, please. Excellent. got to mute my well, out. If it isn't one thing, it's two, seven or eight. Welcome to the American Liberties Call, December, uh, January 8th of 2020, a Wednesday. My name is David Merlin. Nothing you'll hear me say is intended as legal advice. Anything that sounds like that to you, just consider something somebody else might do on a planet far, far away where the law matters. It doesn't matter here. I prove it on a daily basis. Believe it. So Chris is just getting over his cold, and uh, I got a pretty good case of the sniffles on the other end of the country. He's in Florida. I'm in Seattle. And Seattle is dying. So the uh, Section 83 equation, um, that's always a, a great topic uh, for discussion. Uh, you're in the collective that knows of Section 83. And look around you, there's, what, 15 people on the call? And nobody else even teaches Section 83. And yet it explains how to tax the entire workforce so much for the movement, blah, blah, blah. I'm not here to go on and on about the movement and the apparent stupidity, although I could. Welcome to the call, 918-215-716-623, Steelbilly, 708, Avid Hut, 449, Skagit Mike, Mr. Boggs, J-Bud, Hyperloose. Guest 14, Crane Man, Christopher J. Guest 9, and M. Blue Hen. 
that's a pretty good turnout today, Chris. Now, um, in the weeds, I think is a good uh, a good description of uh, where you might end up if you're not careful on section 83. Only the excess over the amount paid is gross income. If something is not gross income, then there's no tax imposed on it. Uh, very important thing to know. And of course, a wealth of information lies uh, awaiting your attention. Guest 14 says payment of an excise tax is a payment for the privilege. That's a Pete Hendrickson conclusion. And there's probably a few things, a few people that had the same conclusion prior to him. He didn't, I don't think he invented anything. And he's wrong. It's not a privilege tax. It's not an excise tax. It's enforced as one. It's a tax on income. <laughs> and until you know the definition of income, you're in the weeds. Because Section 83's language uh, terribly specific, and you have to parse it just right. Uh, let's see. I'll give you the products page for wevgov.com. Right here. Every call is a sales call. We're running specials. Uh, get a hold of Chris. He'll type in his email address. And uh, the um, list of courses there on that page that come on flash drive, call them up, make them an offer, and we'll we'll get you lined up with those courses. And guest 14 says, I have no income. You have income when Section 83 says you do. Section 83 says only the excess over the amount paid is gross income. It defines the amount paid as the value of any money or property paid. If you went to the home page of takefromcaesar.us, takefromcaesar.us, and there you see a couple paragraphs side by side. And right below that is a set of links to different pages on wevgov.com. And you click on federal income taxation. Try that. Those links are on the um, homepage of takefromcaesar.us and uh, the federal income taxation page has uh, on the bottom third of that page is the section 83 spiel and that would include social security social security is an income tax Section 83 applies to all compensation. 1402A, self-employment earnings. That's compensation for services. Chapter 21, Section 3121A, wages. 3121Q, tips. Uh, those are compensation for services. So Section 83 would explain how to tax them too. And only the excess over the amount paid is gross income. The amount paid is the value of any money or property. And with the, the reason this, uh, with the understanding that you can't have it. You could take it into court, take it into court, take it in, and no one will talk about it. No one will give you a judgment on it. They might penalize you for asking. 
So uh, you have the law on one side and you have the government on the other. And the law just doesn't count. It simply does not count. For anybody new on the call, uh, guest 14 says, is a social security number proof I received income? No. A social security number and card are simply trappings of the criminal racketeering scheme called Social Security. They deprive you of Section 83, 212, and 1,111 and 12. And here's your proof. Uh, it's in the chat. Robert Orth, O-R-T-H, um, on the Seventh Circuit a little over a year ago. WeVGov.com slash Orth, capital O. RTH, wevgov.com slash ORTH. And there's the exchange of briefs where on the Seventh Circuit, the government didn't even have to mention the statutes relied upon. Didn't even have to mention them. So he won his case right up until the judge got involved. The judge comes in and says, the government wins, and we're going to penalize you. And all he did was argue the law in a way that government can't refute. Those are the rules. So uh, you are not a citizen. You are the personal possession of a hate group you call government. Government is not a strict cop. Government is a carjacker with a pistol. And until you understand your relationship with government, uh, you know, you got no business uh, observing and pondering anything that the anti-tax movement says, the tax honesty movement. It's the tax dishonesty movement. They aren't interested in the truth. They can't handle the truth. And so they stay away from the truth. While I'm out here pounding on strictly statutory language, the only one. And my manual that Chris said he is reading during his illness, Codebreaker, the Section 83 equation, it's the only work on Section 83. Guest 14 says, uh, where do or how do IRS agents receive income? Where is their excess over the amount paid? Even they're getting screwed out of Section 83. Uh, the, the baseline contention is that all property is a cost. The value of any money or property paid. Any money or property. So even an IRS agent uh, is being deprived of Section 83 if they're paying any amount of Social Security or Chapter 1 income tax when all they did was sell their labor for its fair market value. Fair market value is determined through the terms of an arm's length transaction. Instead of a transaction negotiated between two unrelated parties acting in their own best interest under no compulsion to buy or sell, all relevant facts disclosed. And the term any is all inclusive. No, it isn't, Your Honor. Uh, we're, I'm with the government. And we can do whatever we want when it comes to money. Now tell this citizen to hand it over. That's how it works. It has nothing to do with the law. So uh, it's awfully dejecting, depressing, infuriating. There's nothing you can do about it. Uh, the government owns you, and when it comes down to it and you beat them with the law, you still lose. So you are not an American. You are the personal possession of a hate group. Don't forget that. Very important. For anybody new on the call, I urge you, get a hold of Chris. When you pick out the uh, flash drive courses on Take From Caesar, uh, actually on wevgov.com products page, 
and uh, we'll deal with you. We want you to have the information. We want to pay our bills. So the planets are in line right now. Go get those courses. And uh, here's a link to my uh, joinder page. If you, in fact, believe that you've been deprived of Section 83 when you sell your labor, there's a, a process in place whereby you can go on record saying uh, citizens of the U.S. are only named in regulation. And you deprive me of Section 83 when you tax my pay. And so I think that uh, the IRS is breaking the law as described in the New Year's of 06 criminal complaint that Dave Merlin filed with a few other co-complainants and served on 80 members of Congress. Now that complaint has become your complaint to wield saying I'm a similarly situated witness to crime or victim of crime. And it's all, it, it contains a briefing, 58-page memorandum, 10 pages of that, page 25 through 35 is the Section 83 argument brief. And you see that in paperback form on the wevgov.com's uh, products page. Take from Caesar, Volume 1. And then Take from Caesar, Volume 2 is the 2014 uh, epilogue that was added to the uh, or supplemental briefing, excuse me, that was filed in August of 2014 with the same committees in Congress. So a supplemental briefing and the original briefing, Take from Caesar, Volumes 1 and 2. And uh, it explains in not too much legal ease, really. It's a, it's a lengthy explanation in brief. 10 pages, how Section 83 operates. And we've been to court over the past five years, probably seven times. No one can refute this interpretation. The government doesn't even have an interpretation. It simply ignores Section 83 until you raise the issue. And when you raise the issue, they won't talk about it. So. You have all this wonderful case law on how a tax has to be imposed by clear language or the citizen wins. You can't be forced to speculate as to the meaning of penal statutes um, where, where the law is vague or highly debatable. A defendant lacks the requisite intent to violate it. That's profoundly important. All these, these groups of cases Tax has to be imposed by clear language. You can't be forced to speculate where the law is vague or highly debatable. When you argue those standards in court, you watch them as they are set aside. Um, it just doesn't matter. It mattered when uh, the IRS could make a simple case saying gross income means all income, Your Honor. He's a tax protester over there to tell you otherwise. And yet, they can't get into the language of statute that proves it. If all you argue is Section 61A, you lose. You lose anyway, but uh, you're arguing against a statute that says, uh, except as otherwise provided, gross income means everything. So if you can't prove that something otherwise is provided, um, you're with the tax honesty movement and they can't find theirs with both hands. So uh, we can go up against the IRS time and time again and prove that uh, they simply can't even debate this argument. And if that's the case, you fit right in, and this is my opinion, uh, you want to know the definitions of innocent. And my latest video upload, Proving Innocence in Tax Trials. That video will take you through the James Back trial memorandum that the government wrote and filed in the case of James Back, Anchorage, Alaska, 2014, where the government 
describes what is and is not willful conduct. You have to be willful to get uh, to be guilty under any tax criminal statute. They tell you right there in their memorandum. And so I, I have to work to meet that definition of innocent, or I have to jump back in the system and do everything they tell me to. Let them take a slice just so I can make sure that the government's going to stay out of my life and document it so that, uh, hey, you didn't pay these taxes. Yes, I did. Here's my receipt. Here's the canceled check. Uh, here's the uh, receipt for the postal money orders that I bought to pay you. Whatever. You're either in the system and do it their way to keep them out of your life, or you're inviting them into your life by not filing and not paying. It has nothing to do with the law. It never will. Because you're not a citizen. You're the personal possession of a hate group. And that's hardly a citizen now, is it? Citizen has some political power. You have all this, all these great laws on the books, and you can't have them if it stops what the government's taken from you. So all this really is just a turd hunt. Um, but believe that you'll be much better informed than anybody in the movement can make you. And um, I, I don't know how anybody could look at that James Back trial memorandum and not salivate because uh, it's something else. It really is. Uh, to listen to the government describe when they cannot touch somebody. And what am I looking for here? Uh, let's see. I'm looking for the comment that says, Heat gets results like this man. There it is. I'm going to put the link to the James Back trial memorandum in the chat so you can go directly to it. Doink. There's the James Back trial brief. Uh, yes, guest 14. The IRS agents are just cogs in a wheel. They better not fall out of line or their coworkers will laugh at them and call them Joe Bannister. Who's just as, just, just as ignorant as anybody else. Do you like that one, Chris? Yeah, you Bannister, you. Yeah. <clears throat> so all of this is meaningless unless you're going to try to prove that you're innocent in advance of criminal charges. It's, uh, you can't predict corruption. And uh, you can't stop them from doing what they do unless it's to prove in advance of criminal charges that uh, you don't believe for one minute that you owe any money. And in that trial memorandum, you see that... Um, that first things first, the government has to prove you have a duty imposed by law. That's on the government. That's not my duty at all. They have the duty of proving that I owe it, and I have statutory arguments to prove I don't. But then the second part is uh, that I knew I had the duty. The first part is they have to prove I have a duty. They have to prove I knew I had a duty. And right there in the trial memorandum, and this, this sticks in my craw, oh, we don't have to take the word of uh, close associates or their spouse. Uh, we can have the jury decide whether or not this person believed they had a duty. <laughs> and so they won't even let close associates and your spouse testify. Um, yeah, I've known uh, Joe Lunchbucket for years and years, and he's always impressed me as somebody who doesn't believe he has a duty. Your Honor, move to strike, irrelevant. The jury is going to decide that. And the judge will give it to the jury, people that don't even know you. 
and they decide what you believe. And the government pounds on them, pounds on them. I'm sure they got a script that they have to read a hundred times before they go to trial. So they stay on these topics, hammer this way, hammer that way. And uh has nothing to do with the truth. It has to do with the with what the government can con, uh, convince the jury is the truth. And as all of us know, because we're adults, uh, government lies. They can't, they don't even have an interpretation of Section 83. And uh, when somebody doesn't know this, can you sense how ill-equipped they really are to go to court? And there are a couple success stories. Chris, our host, on this, the American Liberties Call, January of 07, went before the grand jury waving uh, the take from Caesar criminal complaint around, and the grand jury did not indict him. When, in fact, the judge already had him scheduled for trial in June of 07, and he wasn't even done with the grand jury yet. And you think this isn't rigged? They get whoever they want to get. And it has nothing to do with the law. But Chris prevented the grand jury from rendering an indictment. Hang on. Well, we're hanging on. I want to just want to interrupt and say, and going back uh, a mile or two on the guy that says something about uh, uh, excise tax and all that. It's, it's all, you know, forget all the terms of, of that kind of stuff. It's, it's what you're getting paid for a service and whether you make gross income or not that's it you don't need I'm back to, you don't need to go any further okay so try to you know not go far out just stay with i earn you know did i earn income yeah i earned income but it wasn't gross income there was there was no excess over the amount paid for my services that's it that's it. They can call it a privilege. They can call it whatever they want. But Section 83 is very precise. And stay inside the paragraph. Don't go outside. Oh, well, it's privilege. You know, don't get into those arguments. You'll lose. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, um, you'll lose anyway, but that lexicon has nothing to do with arguing the language of Section 83. Only the excess over the amount paid is gross income. The amount paid is the value of any money or property paid. There, you're at the end of the argument. The government can't refute it. And you're, you're going to lose, but when this comes in handy is when it's time to convince a jury that the government can't prove you have a duty. You know, if the government has to prove you have, how do you prove that? It can only be by language of the law. And so they never have to get into the law the judge simply tells the jury what the law is without reference to particular statutes. So uh, it comes down to jury instructions in a criminal case. Other than that, the judges are as corrupt as the day is long, period. Uh, let's see. Guest 14 is asking IRS agents to get in trouble with the boss to uh, offer them a cash reward for um, for proof that you have a duty under the burden of Section 83. You can talk to them until the cows come home. They aren't going to look at it. It's only useful in a criminal case. However, Pastor Don, Don Gron, has done some great work getting liens and levies lifted with a host of arguments, including my arguments, that he puts in an administrative process and uh, actually has some success stories, uh, few and far between, so I don't do that work. And it's hard to uh, ask somebody that's being leaned and levied to pay money to get out of it 
because uh, all their money is being taken by the government. So uh, I really concentrate on disproving allegations that one is willful. And uh, you simply have to be able to run with them. And what I've done for free on my YouTube channel, uh, there's a YouTube tutorial on Section 83, two and a half hours long. Everything I needed to say to explain the argument and no extras. Uh, great video. Then there's the key to the code video, the, the description of how citizens of the U.S. are only named in a regulation. They say, that's me, citizens of the United States. Well, okay. Section 1 of the tax code doesn't mention anybody's citizenship. And its implementing regulation does mention citizenship. You can't do it with a regulation. It has to come from statute first. And Section 1 doesn't mention anybody's citizenship. So very easy argument when you look at only the controlling definitions of citizen and Social Security. And then the lack of a definition of citizen in Chapter 1, it's only in regulation. The Seventh Circuit, I'm going to the uh, federal criminal, uh, the federal income taxation page of wevgov.com. And where would I find that? Uh, take from Caesar homepage, right below the paragraphs that are side by side. I click on federal income taxation. And I want the Valone decision. Fine. Now, it's uh, just about two-thirds, almost two-thirds of the way down the page. Seventh Circuit, U.S. versus Valone. Valone wrote a letter to the IRS in which he made a variety of baseless claims, including the assertions that he enjoyed certain rights unique to a sovereign citizen born in the United States, that he, he was neither a citizen nor resident of the United States, as those terms are used in the 14th Amendment or 26 CFR 1.1-1, the IRS regulation identifying those persons who are subject to income tax by the United States, end quote. So the Seventh Circuit says it's the regulation that identifies who is subject. And when you point out to them that, hey, excuse me, but regulation is the only thing that identifies somebody as a subject if they're a citizen of the U.S. And as soon as you say only the regulation does, they won't talk about it. They don't want to look at this case. They don't want to look at this quote from the Valone case in 2012, and you lose. So it's a dead end, but you'll at least, you will have at least left them speechless about governing law. So, uh, Everybody knows it. The Seventh Circuit in the Valone decision in 2012, Mr. Robert Orth was on the Seventh Circuit, and they penalized him thousands of dollars. And they couldn't deny that the regulation is the only thing that identifies a citizen of the U.S. as a subject. Uh, guess 14. I don't know how the people of Puerto Rico are taxed. I've heard that they don't even pay Social Security. So uh, <laughs> I don't know what the IRS will accept as payment of the debt. Um, let's see. And Pastor Don is on the call, spouting off as usual all that anti-tax crap that the law the law protects you. Welcome, Pastor Don. He lives up here in Seattle, which is just a darn shame. Uh, we got three months of uh, dingy, dreary, wet weather to endure before we get into the spring. And uh, not that I live my life around the weather. Between October and May, don't even keep track. Bring an umbrella. So the you can't have the law, and you see Chris and I, we've narrowed our uh, 
efforts down to uh, preventing criminal charges. And we've gotten really good at that. And um, you can't predict corruption. They may still refer you for criminal prosecution. So there's no such thing as an end zone dance. Don't be a fool. As soon as the government wants you, they'll come and take you. It has nothing to do with the law. So the uh, don't get in the weeds on Section 83. The analysis of the statute has to begin with removing the phrases that are irrelevant to you and your paycheck in Section 83A. Uh, no longer subject to a substantial risk of forfeiture. Don't need to read that into the to your paycheck. It's not subject to a risk of forfeiture. I got it right here in my hand. So I don't need to observe that phrase. And when you take out all the unnecessary language in Section 83A and you're left with only the excess over the amount paid as gross income, uh, it becomes easier and easier to understand. So it may puzzle you to get into it. And there, if it puzzles you, you just remember you've just triggered one of the definitions of innocent, where the law is vague or highly debatable, or where the law is vague to where the average individual can't understand it. The taxpayer is supposed to win. And all of that was, um, let's see, I got distracted here. Um, uh, darn it. Uh, it, it goes, the definitions of innocent, no, that's what I was getting to. And I go to the federal income taxation page of wevgov.com, and I scroll all the way down to red number three, all property is an amount paid. The bottom third of the page is about section 83. And then I have uh, blue number one, blue number two, blue number three. And then below that, I have the Kreitzer annotation um, after the uh, the case law on what the term any means. And blue number five is the Kreitzer annotation. It is settled that when a law is vague or highly debatable, a defendant lacks the requisite intent to violate it. A 1974 Fourth Circuit case that's been cited by all those cases you see in this annotation right up to 2011 in the case of U.S. versus coal. So a great standard that means nothing when you get to court. They can't even talk to you about Section 83. I feel that triggers this annotation, this notion that I lack criminal intent because the law is vague or highly debatable. Hell, it's off limits. So. Uh, as you go through this analysis, as you go through my commentary, remember that this is one of the definitions of innocent. I lack criminal intent. It is settled that when the law is vague or highly debatable, I don't have criminal intent. It has nothing to do with me. It has to do with the law and the government. It's one of the definitions of innocent. Don't forget it. Very important. Uh, void for vagueness. That's one of the definitions of innocent, um, where the uh, uh, can't be forced to speculate as to the meaning of penal statutes. Speculation is all that's left when they keep the law secret. They don't even offer an interpretation of it. So there's definitions of innocent all around you. And if I were you, and I can't give you legal advice, but if you haven't filed and you haven't paid, I recommend you behave in ways that convinces the government uh, that you don't believe you have a duty. And the best way to do that is to prove to them, I don't have a duty. Look at this law that you won't talk about. You don't have a definite or a, uh, an interpretation of it. 
Uh, we won't, you won't talk about it at meetings that I go to with the IRS, even though in the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights you see I have a uh, right to clear explanation of the laws. Oh, except those laws, citizen breath. Oh, thanks. The laws I relied upon are the ones that the government won't uh, speak of. <laughs> there, I've just fit snugly into the definition of innocent that you see in the James Back trial memorandum. It's a wonderful memorandum. Read the whole thing. The latest posted video takes you clear through the memorandum. So you can sit back and watch. But there's nothing like hard copy research. Print off the James Back trial memorandum. Hold it in your hands while you read it. And it'll come to life. The government's telling you right there who they cannot prosecute. So uh, I believe them that much. They're citing Supreme Court cases when they say it. So uh, U.S. versus Cheek, of course. So don't miss the definitions of innocent. And when you're familiar with the definitions of innocent, then uh, try to stay within them. I'm going back to the home page of takefromcaesar.us, and I scroll down, I see that large photograph of a $25,000 check that the city of Kirkland had to pay me when I sued them for violating the State Disclosure Act. I set them up to violate it. Four and a half years later, I sued them. <laughs> and I got $8.23 for each of 3,011 days worth of violation. The link in the chat is another uh, page about uh, how loosely the media throws around the term threat. Oh, this person threatened that person. This person attacked him. They didn't attack him. It was just verbal commentary. Give me a break. But in, all the, in this quest for drama that uh, the media is in, uh, it has nothing to do with the truth. And they just throw the term threat around like it was a party favor. And uh, it's no simple matter. A threat is a very specific thing. And if you say somebody threatened you, you better know what you're talking about. If somebody else says you threaten them, you better know what you're talking about so you can straighten them out. Cause uh, you simply can't walk about making threats. It's a first-person conveyance that you're going to commit an act of unlawful violence. It has to be an act that you will commit. I will do this to you, and it has to be unlawful violence. You can't. You're not guilty if you if you say, "I'm going to incite others to harm you." Incitement has not been punished. Okay. Now the, uh, the power flash out briefly. I'm back. So uh, if somebody says you uh, uttered a threat, if I were you, I would want to know what is and is not a threat. And so I get into that topic on this page. I put it in the chat. Um, the threat has to be a true threat, a threat to commit an act of unlawful violence said in first-person context. As I scroll down this page uh, on threats, in the top third of the page, I see the case. It's indented quoted, U.S. versus Cassell. This is the Ninth Circuit, 2005. And it says right there twice in the same paragraph that, um, that the uh, act has to be one to be carried out by the defendant, inflicted by the defendant. I will do this to you. It can't be... I am going to convince others that they should do this to you. That does not meet the definition of true threat. So there's a lot to know. Let me give you the link to the Cassell decision. 
And one thing I did on this page about threats is uh, I linked to scholar.google uh, for the cases that I cite on that page so you can go right to the case and read it. <coughs> uh, you can't read too much case law. But right there, the Ninth Circuit, 2005, says that uh, a true threat is a threat to do harm uttered in first-person context. I will do this to you, not I will convince others to do that to you. The second one is not a true threat. The first one was. So be aware of the definitions of the innocent. And you learn that by reading cases that the government lost. Uh, Avid Hutt, no, that's a matter of personal safety. And it's not really about what somebody says. So um, you can't read too much case law. Every decision is a seminar from a judge. You read it, and then you think about it. Uh, I can't go off course for that long, Guest 14. It's just a distraction. Um, so the language of statute is primary because I found protections in the law that nobody else found. I found them first. I argued them first. And uh, the tax honesty movement chooses ignorance. So it's not honest at all. And all of us here on this call, we're, we're a unique collective. We aren't afraid. We're asking questions. We're getting into the language of what the government says and what the law says. Welcome, Diane Lynn. Hey, Diane Lynn, uh, if you're on the computer, you want to type in a couple sentences of encouragement. Diane Lynn uh, has all my courses and is uh, studious. And uh, it's about time I bothered her for a recorded testimonial. But uh, the stuff can be learned. There is a fabric in what I teach. And it always comes back to stuff I've been teaching since 1992. All of this is all very old stuff. And again, every call is a sales call. Get a hold of Chris at his email address and tell him which courses on flash drive you want, and he'll make you a deal. I want you to have the information. We want to pay our bills. So the planets are in line. Our interests coincide. And uh, and you, you do this with the understanding government doesn't care. But uh, when it comes to municipal abuse or misconduct, the course on writing and filing citizens' criminal complaints is dynamite. The drive-by litigation course is dynamite. It has nothing to do with tax law. It has to do with a procedure uh, that uh, you can iron out and study a bunch of Microsoft Word templates, criminal complaints I've written for people over the years. They're right there in Microsoft Word. So uh, when you write your first criminal complaint, it's already going to look better than anything the prosecutor turns out. And <clears throat> judging by the way I was treated before and after, I started filing criminal complaints night and day. I didn't get any respect until I knew how to put a, a, a citizen's complaint together about a public servant. And then they looked at me differently when I would enter the courtroom. That's progress. Be somebody they don't want to talk to because you know what a crime is. When you know what a crime is, you'll see crime everywhere. With that, let me give you, uh, this is the... Um, I'm on takefromcaesar.us, and there's a long link below the picture of the tax honesty chimp in a paragraph that says, my student, students and I are having too much fun pushing servants around using only the law. This tutorial is about a case in uh, San Mateo County Superior Court, California. And listen to the description of the judge's demeanor in that interview. It's an hour long, and I interview a man that went to court to watch this other man's hearings. And he watched as this man was falsely arrested for contempt of court. He wasn't in contempt. 
And these documents on that page are the ones I wrote to address this and listen to the description of the judge's demeanor after she saw the criminal complaint for uh, battery and kidnapping that the guy filed against her. And listen to the uh, tutorial. It's an hour long, and it's a riot. As soon as she saw that criminal complaint, she just stiffened right up, couldn't wait to get away from the case. The next judge came in, just as I predicted, and worked to settle everybody down. What seems to be the problem here? Everybody, have uh, it's a nice day outside. Uh, uh, welcome, defendant breath, uh, to my courthouse. Now, what's the problem? And a public defender that the guy didn't even ask for stands up and says, I'm here representing Mr. Centraletti, Your Honor. Uh, it appears that uh, his speedy trial rights have been violated. The judge looks at the prosecutor and says, is this true? And the prosecutor says, I'll get back to you this afternoon. And the prosecutor called that public defender that afternoon and said, we're dropping the case for violation of speedy trial. So get the first judge out of there in a way that convinces the second judge to tread lightly. The second judge comes in. Well, how is everybody doing today? And he settles everybody down, and then a little objection from the public defender, and bingo, the case was over. My, ju uh, my job was only to get rid of the judge, and those documents are how I did it. And listen to the, the court watcher that I interview in that tutorial and what he had to say about the demeanor of the judge. She was petrified. First time the law had been in that courthouse for years, in years, I mean. And she was a Judge Lisa Novak, a 2005 Arnold Schwarzenegger appointee. And uh, I thumped her real hard using just the law. So get my courses, folks. There's a lot more in there than just tax law. And uh, thank you in advance for your support. Hey, Chris, top of the hour, what do you say? We uh, let everybody out of here with the uh, thanks for sharing your Wednesday evening with us. I'll be on eight, uh, excuse me, 59615. Here on TalkShoe, 59615 on Saturday at noon Pacific, 3 o'clock Eastern, like I am every Saturday. So uh, I'll see you there. Someone's got their hand up, Chris. Okay, let me see. Uh... You're welcome, Jay Bud. And guest, guest 14 says that uh, he or she is a co-complainant to my criminal complaint in Congress. Okay, go go ahead, uh, 207. Well, I, I just wanted to say Happy New Year first. Um, Dave, Dave, I don't know what's going on with TalkShoe. I wasn't able to get through last week, and this week it took me about 13 tries redialing back before TalkShoe would say there was a show on. Well, you have a bad attitude. You, you would have a bigger turnout, <laughs> I'm sure, but I think TalkShoe's stiffing you here. <laughs> Yeah, TalkShoe has its quirks, and uh, all I can do is apologize for them. Well, I didn't give up this week. <laughs> well, thank that's, you. That's all, I, that's all I have to say, Dave. I'm, I'm sorry. Thanks. Good, thank you. Uh, don't apologize. Thanks for tuning in. Always a pleasure. So with all that having been said, I'm going to step away, and uh, this call is yours, Chris. All right, and I'm going to clo close out with, uh, again, you know, write letters to, when the IRS writes you a letter, just send them back and saying, look, here, and, and get it right from the website, get it right from the book, get it right from the audios. Say, look, I, I don't, I think there's a mistake. I, I, I think you're making a mistake because the courts have said, see, don't say, I said. Don't say, well, I'm not a citizen of the United States. Don't say, you know, I don't make gross income. No, just say that how did you use Section 83 to determine my my paycheck for my services is, is uh, or how did you use Section 83 to determine my paycheck is gross income? According to... Right, now... Go ahead. Yeah, and... and and also, um, if I'm going to sign something under penalties of perjury, I need assurances that I'm in compliance with Section 83. And you know, in advance, they can't even talk about it. There you go. Yeah. 
All yours. Take care, everybody. So, I mean, and uh, because, you know, administratively is where is where you're going to win. When you when you got the evidence and send a certified mail, you know, return card and keep it organized and everything and keep it that you're willing to pay. You don't have a problem paying. You want to you're conform. You you have a good faith belief you're conforming to the law because the courts and the commissioner have all said that the cost of services. Okay, so. Read the material, man. Read the book. Study the study the the um, the audios, the books, and all the information at wevgov.com. And there's a link there to take from Caesar and and get on with it, okay? And I gotta wind up by uh, uh, by saying if you go to maxis.tv. M-A-X-O-U-S dot TV. Watch the video there and let me know if you're interested. We got a, a sure-fired way of making income, <laughs> making income, earning, uh, earning do- compensation for your services, and you don't have to sell any lotion, ocean, or potions. You don't have to have a headache or find other people to have a headache and say, hey, I got a great bottle of aspirin. Okay? I mean, this is, this is truly, truly a very unique way of making money, and we can all help each other. And there will be more coming on with that for the new year. So with that, God bless. This call is now officially over. Good night.